less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor Deep Dive. Welcome back. I've just always wanted to say that. <laughs> you welcoming me back? No, we're together. I just, I don't know. You feel like you have to have some sort of intro or, you know, something catchy at the front end. But honestly, I just like it when people go right into the topic. Right. And the topic is cash flow for contractors. Well, that's, you're mixing up the topic with the title here, Martin. No, everything, everything affects cash flow. So I'm not, I'm being subtle. Okay. Well, yeah. Cash flow contractor. Everything affects cash flow. Everything affects cash flow. Um, yeah. So last episode, we talked about uh, four different areas of business. Um, right. And Martin, I already forgot what the four areas are. Can you give it? <laughs> well, write these down, get a pen out, <laughs> write down this web address. Yeah. No, the four areas of business are guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business. So we've got guidance, customers, production, and administration. Right. And today, I'm really excited for this series because I think it's a really good framework that you have. And I'm excited to share it with people and kind of dig a little bit deeper into each one and um, spell it out a little bit. So guiding the business, guidance. Um, really excited about this topic. And, you know, today, I know we're going to talk about vision quite a bit. Um but we've got a lot of cool stories and other things that we're going to be sharing too. So, um, Martin, you've got a, a client that I know you wanted to share a little bit about. Kind of introduce us to him a little bit. Well, I'm not going to use his name because I didn't tell I was going to talk about him, but he'll probably know who he is. He's in New York City, and we are at the tail end of the uh, uh, original COVID crisis, if there's another one. Um, but anyway, he locked down earlier than most, and uh, they're still locked down. Whereas we in Oklahoma, where I am, where we are, um, we're, we're kind of not. So he's, he suffered early and he's suffering long and he sells, um, something that he builds to homeowners, uh, and he sells them out on the Hamptons on Long Island, a really, uh, high end product that he sells and he has, he's in high demand. He has a great reputation, uh, something that we'll talk about as we go forward. Uh, he charges a lot for his product and everything was going really well. And then we got COVID and I guess back in New York, they're taking it pretty seriously when they say you're shut down, you're shut down. So he was yeah. going along great building a business and, and well, he'd been in business a long time, but really thriving, We've been working together. And all of a sudden it comes to a screeching halt. He can no longer go to his client's homes, uh, can't bid them in purpose in uh, person. And he can't uh, make anything because the shops are all shut down. So, so he's, he's facing a predicament. What's your thought on that? I know this is really controversial. Can the government just tell you to uh, to shut down like that? Do Do we want to go there? I mean, <laughs> my my sister's an attorney, and one time yeah. at, at uh, Thanksgiving dinner, we were just talking, and one of us, one of her siblings, asked her, "What's the stupidest question you've ever heard?" She didn't take two seconds to answer. She said that it would be, can he do that when he just did? <laughs> the second stupidest question is, well, is that legal? <laughs> they said, well, that's what we're going to go find out. But uh, yeah, the government can shut us down because they did. Now, were yeah. they right doing it and all that? Well, that's a conversation for Facebook, which I don't participate in. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think it's been a little bit overblown, but, um, fortunately people can't re hit the reply button and flame me on this blog. Yeah. Thankfully. Well, hopefully we might get some comments on the, yeah, maybe we'll get some reviews. Just a really quick shout out. Uh, leave us a five-star review, help us grow this podcast. And yeah. if you, uh, if you leave a good comment, we appreciate it. But if you want to you know, talk about Martin's political views. That's fine too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I won't participate. I actually, uh, on faith, I, I don't comment. That's not the place and you don't accomplish anything. Uh, just heard a good Bible passage this morning. It said a gentle word deflects a harsh voice and, uh, or deflects anger. And, and that's, that's really true. So 
I try to be very gentle if I comment, no matter what my feelings are, but I pretty much like to stay out. And the other day, somebody put up an argument and I said, uh, that seemed well-reasoned. <laughs> and I got smoked. He said, Re one guy actually told me, he said, reason is no substitute for intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> so I was tempted, but I didn't. I just, I said, I shouldn't have even said that. I just said, that was a well-reasoned article. And so staying away from it. Although right, I do so happen know, to have some beliefs. So we know about your, your contractor in, in New York City. Um, uh -huh. And we'll come back to him in a little bit. But what is like your definition? I know I've got one. What's your definition of guiding the business? Well, it's cliche to say it, so I'll say it anyway, but it's your North Star. When you get up every morning, you can point your feet in any direction, and uh, there has to be a reason. And the reason is why you point your feet west rather than east, that you get up and go to this job versus that job. But there has to be a reason you're doing what you're doing. Otherwise, um, you'll, you'll not like doing it, and you won't, you'll rob yourself of a sense of accomplishment and purpose. And the, the second, uh, it's not really the definition, but the second reason they're so important is everybody who works with you has to know what they're doing too. Uh, right. If you're not on the same page, you're, you're going to be doing different things. Uh, real quickly, if, if somebody's all about productivity and they, they're not about customer service, they might be a little rude around customers. They might not really yeah. care what customers say, might not call them back. Um, whereas if you're customer-oriented, uh, you're going to take care of the customer and make sure that everything fits. So having an idea of where you're going and what you're doing, which we'll dive into a little bit more, yeah, is is so important. Uh, so that everybody knows why they're getting out of bed and which way to which way to point their feet. Yeah, that's really good. My my definition of guiding the business. Um, I mean, obviously, it's leadership. It's it's being the leader of your company. But it's, it's for me, it really is just being. A selfless leader. I think a lot of the issues that I've seen business run to, into, the issues that I've run into in business have always come from being selfish and making the selfish decision. Um, not necessarily in terms of, you know, you know, taking a draw or something like that. I mean, if you go overboard at that, it's terror. It can, it can really hurt your company, but I, I really think it is trying to look to the future and investing in something that you really believe in and letting that be what it is, letting be your company, what it can be right. and stop trying to make it all about yourself. I think pe people want to work for you more. People want to do business with you more. It's easier to do things when it's not about you. So Daniel, yeah. Daniel Pink wrote a book a few years ago called drive and it's, it's really a good book, but he said the three things that, that people want us included, but the people who, who work for you and follow you, uh, want or autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And autonomy means that, uh, well, everybody knows what the definition is, but basically you're not a machine. Um, people who used to work on the assembly lines at General Motors back when there was a plant in Oklahoma City in the 80s used to make just what everybody considered to be a huge amount of money uh, for, a, for a relatively unskilled job. Maybe you didn't need a college degree or a PhD or anything like that. Right. And one of the reasons for that was they were robbed of autonomy. Uh, the next hmm. car came every seven minutes and you put the wheel on and bolted that son of a gun up and here came the next one. So they lost autonomy, but people want autonomy. They want to be able to make decisions about themselves. They want mastery. Mastery means that you want to be challenged. People like to learn and grow. Um, so that can be at whatever level. It doesn't mean that, um, um, that if you are a carpenter that you want to become an architect, not necessarily, but if you're a carpenter, you might want to become a better trim carpenter. You might, but something to get sure. better at. And the yeah. last one is purpose and purpose is why am I doing this? And that's what the leadership, that's what the vision, um, that's what, um, that, that's one of the three critical things that people need and they just need to have a reason. And if the yeah. reason is just money, uh, that works for a while, but after a while, uh, people have enough money or at least to satisfy their needs and they start looking for more. And that's where leadership yeah. comes in. Give them a purpose. Absolutely. And I mean, just guiding the business in general, 
is a it's something that I think for a lot of small contractors at least um, is extremely difficult because you don't necessarily see the return right away. Um, you may in some cases, but I, I see a lot of contractors and they just need to get the jobs out the door. They just need to make sure that they get the installation done on time. They just need right. to make sure that they've got everything running and they're great on the operation side, but it's so important that they take a step back and really think about, am I just building a job for myself where I'm just running through operations all the time? Right. You got an ambulance there, Martin? Well, I just had a little accident. My leg's broken, but it, <laughs> but I'm good for 45 minutes and then I'll get it taken care of. But yeah, it, it, when you start when you start working on guiding your business, then that's that's whenever you stop, you know, you start leaving your job and start becoming uh, an owner of a business. Before that, it's really just a job, in my opinion. Right. Well, you brought up a really interesting point uh, and a really good one that most small businesses in the United States consist of one person. Uh, there are 30 million businesses and 85% of them never hire an employee. Well, in that case, somebody is doing everything. They're leading themselves, if you want, uh, and maybe they want to aspire beyond that. And everybody has heard of leadership. Everybody has some idea of what leadership is, but very few people have dived into it to see, uh, can it change in what I'm doing? So what they kind of wind up with is a default leadership. Um, and then you have the tyranny of the urgent, the, the need to get the job done, can meet the subcontractor somewhere, or maybe you meet the general contractor somewhere. So they're, they're, um, actual kind of a lofty goal, a lofty vision of what they want is subsumed by what's going on today and therefore gets neglected. And people just wind up with just the general idea of, yeah, I need a vision, but I can't do that right now because I got to be in an appointment or right. yeah, I, I need a vision, but I can't do it right now. You know, we just had an accident or, you know, not something happened at a job and I've got to go over and take care of it. There's water gushing or, or something like that. Right. So it, leadership gets neglected and then it winds up being a default leadership mm -hmm. and uh, the default leadership, because we're the cash flow contractor, <laughs> oftentimes mm -hmm. defaults to cash. That seems to be the most pressing thing. So we wind up that our leadership or our vision for our company appears to be making money and, and getting cash. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with making money or getting cash. But that's something outside you controlling you rather than you controlling what happens. Right. Well, I think with, with guiding the business, um, it's, and for me, it's always been something that you can't do just alone. You have to step back. Like you have to step out of what you're currently doing. It's like going up to that 30,000 foot level. Right. And it's a lot easier to be at that 30,000 foot level when I'm with somebody else that I respect. So important to find advisors, mentors, coaches, people that you can look up to, peers that you can work alongside to go through some of these things. Because it helps you just, if you're only working on the jobs, if you're only got your head down, getting after it, you're not able to really withdraw yourself that much. So that's a huge encouragement that I have is if you really want to be guiding your business better, get around other people that are also guiding theirs. Right. Talk about what they're doing. Talk about things that you're looking forward to, things that you want to invest in, things that you want to grow. Uh, that's what's going to help you to be a better guider of your company. Right. I, I start, uh, when I work with new clients, the first question I always ask them is, what do you want? <clears throat> and the answer I hear most often, and I mean 90% of the time, is, what do you mean? <laughs> and I say, well, I mean, what do you want? And then I hear, well, do you mean me or the business or what, what do you mean? I say, well, you, the business, I don't care. What do you want? And they say, well, man, that's a really good question. And I say, well, how can you expect to have what you want if you don't even know what it is? And so what you're talking about, uh, being able to stand aside, be, be with other people, coaches, mentors, uh, good friends, thoughtful people, whoever it is, one of the benefits of that is they will ask you, or can ask you what you want and you're forced because you've taken the time to sit to at least think about it. And, uh, 
my little story about what people, how people answer the question, like, what do you mean? Is my real experience is that I think most people have not thought about what they want. Uh, yeah. Money, maybe a car, new boat or something like that. But I mean, big picture, you know, you get the general answers of, well, I want a healthy family and a long life and, and loving marriage or, or whatever it is. Um, but to really pin it down, something that we can shoot for, aim for, and take steps to get there, just very few people have ever done that. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's like, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. Right. Right. You know, if, if, you, if you're just working on your jobs by yourself or you're only with your employees, that's where you're stuck. But, um, you know, if you want to become something bigger, if you want to, you know, reach and attain goals, you've got to be around people that are making that happen. Right. Um, there's a really good concept called the 360 leader that, uh, actually learned it through my mentor, Tim Mannon growing up and just talked about, you know, mentorship is not just about you finding someone above you. You've got to find people, you know, yeah, you've got to find that mentor that's above you. That's going to help you get to where you want to be. That's going to sit there and not take your crap and actually hold you accountable and just listen to you and tell you, suck it up keep it going, encourage you, all those things. But then you've got to turn around and do that for other people below you, right? Right. And you've got right. to actually invest in them because you will learn so much through that. 90% retention rate of learning whenever you teach somebody else, right? right? So go and teach someone else. Go and be that mentor from them and you're going to learn just as much as you would from a mentor that's above you. But then also you have to find laterally those peers that are at the same level as you going through the same things and you guys have to be mentors to each other, encouraging each other along the way. Um, and that's kind of what we hope to create with this podcast, the Cashflow Contractors, you know, contractors helping other contractors. Um, and and so that's, I think, one of the most important things about guiding the business is taking that step to get outside of your current circumstances and find people that are supportive, encouraging, and going through similar things or have gone through them or want to go through them to be along the ride with you. Right. Sometimes people are reluctant to do that. <clears throat> Why might that be? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's a fear of being vulnerable. There's a fear of trusting right. other people. Um, but I mean, ultimately it's, I, I think it's just comes down to a personal take on it. Uh, what do you think? Well, no, I think you're right. It's appearing vulnerable. One, one of the things I encounter a lot is that uh, some form of the, of the statement of why are all the businesses around me doing so well and I'm suffering? I said, well, the only reason is you haven't walked in and talked to them. And it doesn't mean that uh, business is misery, uh, but there is a lot of suffering in business. And yeah. it does not have to be that way. But uh, there will always be problems as long as you're in business, but it doesn't have to be suffering. And people hide it and project it that they're doing well. And I do hear that question a lot. They just presume everybody else is doing so well, must be. And I'm hurting over here. And I said, well, let's go over and talk to them. And there is, uh, I don't know, a relief, I guess, when you find out that other people are having issues and problems as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's not commiseration. That's double negatives. But um, there's the ability to talk to somebody and say, well, what did you do about this? What did you do about that? And what do you think we could do about solving a mutual problem that we have? And so you get that collaboration going and you, and you just get it out there, you just get it out there yeah. and you deal with it. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the first step of, of AA, like admitting that you're an alcoholic, right? right? Right. Same thing. I mean, there's contractors out there right now, probably listening to us that are in massive debt and don't want to talk about it. Right. Like if you don't talk about it, you're never going to get out of it. You're never going to fix it. And right. so you have to get around people that will bring up those difficult issues that will hold you accountable and that will listen and, and give you support. But if, if you're not going to be able to take time to work on those things, there's, you have no chance in guiding the business positively. Right. Right. So, well, we can talk about guiding the business. I want to talk about specific, right? Okay. So you've already mentioned a lot of this, but let's talk about vision specifically, right? Um, what is vision? Well, a, a vision is a clear statement of the unattainable goal. And by unattainable, <laughs> I mean, you're never going to get there, right? Right. Uh, that's not a prerequisite. I guess you could get there, but it's a lofty, 
the way it's used most awfully, vision is a picture of what your company looks like when it's finished. And that's why I say you never get there because you can it's always get better. Uh, yeah. So many people I have that maybe are selling five, $10 million worth of uh, services or product. And I ask them, how long you've been in business? Eight years. What did you think was a lot of money in eight, eight years ago? Oh man, I thought if I could sell a hundred thousand, I'd be the king of the pile. And now they don't think 10 million is anything. So, right. So vision, um, is that picture of your business when it's finished? Uh, it kind of doesn't change, but it can evolve as you evolve. But I'll give you some examples of, of vision statements that, that are always kind of in my mind. And one is Steve jobs, Apple founder, whose vision was to change reality. Okay. Well, that's a pretty lofty vision and he, and he may not be finished. Well, he's finished, but the, the vision may not be finished, but, uh, he certainly did change reality for right. all of us. Matter of fact, we're anyway, we, we don't need to go into all that. Another one was, uh, Google's, uh, vision that all the information in the world organized and accessible. Now they'll never attain that because there will always be more information. And anyway, there's infinitely more information. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but boy, if you're an engineer and you go work for Google, you're going, Hey man, let's put these cars out on the road and put a camera on top and have them drive 30 miles an hour on every main highway, all the way down to every cattle track. <clears throat> and we'll put it on the internet and we'll coordinate it with satellites and we'll have, you know, the view from satellite and we'll have street view and we'll update it every three months and then we'll do the whole world. How's that? And it'll be free. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. You know, there were, I, I just can't even go into all the Google stuff that sub 10 from that philosophy of all the information in the world organized and accessible. accessible. And so uh, I don't even know who the founder of Google was. I, I should, but it didn't come from him or her. I should know that, but it, it came from people who bought into that vision and are suggesting things. And I don't know how their corporate suggestion box works, but people are coming up with these ideas and they say, Hey, go work on it, man. Let's make that work. So yeah. that's, that's a lofty vision and it makes it work. Another lofty vision that's a little more local and I'll define lofty vision here in just a minute, but is there's a, there's a nonprofit organization here in, in my hometown and it's the CAB. It's the community action board. And I facilitated a board meeting with them one time. And I said, well, hey, what's your guy's vision? And about 15 volunteers and board members in there. And they, well, I don't, I don't know. And finally, they had to turn on, drop the projector and turn on the internet and go find it. And then they read it to me. And I said, well, that's not much of a vision. And there in the person in here even knows what it is. So how is it a guiding North Star? So they came up with a vision and this has been five, six years ago. And I remember to this day, it's every child safe, well, and stable. Boom. You don't know anything about the CAB, but now you do, right? You don't yeah, know what it is that they do, but if you're signing on, that's their goal. And what they do is deliver mattresses and uh, pajamas and uh, little dop kits to kids that have to wind up suddenly in uh, foster care which is a traumatic event. So their vision is loftier than that, but I can remember it six years later and I subscribe to it. I mean, it's a magnificent vision. So, yeah. you know, there are lots of, those are the kind of lofty visions that if you come up with one for your company that can really lead you and that people like Google engineers who come on board aren't just there for the paycheck. They're there for the philosophy, <clears throat> excuse me, for the, for the vision and the philosophy that guides your company. Right. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think that that's what makes it so difficult when you are in your job every day. It's hard to think lofty. Yes. I mean, you just don't know how it's going to happen. Um, and so it, it is great to think about Apple. It's great to think about Google and nonprofits. But um, I think that for, for every contractor, I think the most important part is understanding, like you mentioned earlier, what you want individually. Right. And letting that help you to create that vision for the company. Uh, you have to start there, in my opinion. Well, I like, uh, there. there's another vision, and they've messed it up right 
So, but it used to be Disney's when Walt Disney was still alive, and it was a smile on every face. Okay, that is yeah. not hugely lofty. That is achievable. That is very much guiding the people who worked at Disney World and Disneyland and and whatever the movie company has touched on. So, it is you, you can have a loftier type vision that you can attain. But you're exactly right. When you're it, I I began to describe two kinds of vision in, in my coaching business because people had so much trouble with a lofty vision, what we're calling lofty vision, this high ideal. It, it, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to come up with something that, um, a matter of fact, that's one reason these companies differentiated themselves is Google and Apple is that they did come up with that kind of vision. So it, right. it's hard. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't come up with a vision like Disney had a smile on every face. Uh, it, it might be a smile on every customer's face, uh, zero sure. complaints. Uh, yep. But to your other point is a subset of having a lofty vision is to sit and think about what do you really want? You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think with vision, I, I think that if you finally come up with your vision and you, you've already said it's a North star, but I think talking specifically about, you know, just the way that it helps you guide, like anytime you're making a decision, if you know what your vision is, you're going to be more in line with every single decision you make. But if you don't have that vision, your decisions are all over the place. Right. And it's harder and harder to put it back together. And if you can start with that vision and allow that to lead you in the way, I mean, it makes it so much easier. Um, it's it's kind of like whenever I, whenever I work with contractors and talk to them about marketing or sales, you can't just act like you're marketing and selling to yourself. You have to know who you're talking to. Right. Well, same thing with your company. You have to know where you're going. Um, right. It just doesn't work without that. Um, it's, it's also, it's difficult to build a team without a vision because no one knows what they're representing. No one knows what's, what, what they're behind. They're just kind of doing tasks running around and customers also want to work with companies that have a vision, right? Right. Um, so I, I think in your vision, you, you have to know that as lofty as it is, as difficult as it is to come up with, it will make a difference in how you market, how you sell, how you lead your company, how you, how you gain customers, um, and how just the, the, the overall company feels, there's a purpose behind it. So, right. yeah. And, and I think just in passing kind of on that, uh, money is not a good purpose. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a good reason. I'm hundred percent. Um, we'll, we'll talk in a future time about profit and, and make all you can, but for you to build a business that you can sell and cash out, take your millions and go live on the beach somewhere is probably not an inspiring goal for the folks that work for you. <laughs> right. If only. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you sharing it with them, if you make them part of the company, which I'm not suggesting you do that, but then, so it's, it's not that, um, but it can be a customer oriented company. Uh, we have a mutual client whose uh, vision for his company is to be the most efficient, and I won't say what it is, manufacturer of what he makes in the world. And you say, what? <laughs> well, that's who this guy is. That's what he loves doing, figuring out how to be better at what he does. And the fact that that makes him more money and allowed him to survive tough times is not incidental to it. I mean, it's a, it's a cause of it, but he didn't do it to make more money and survive. He did it because that's who he is. And the people yeah. who work for him know that because they're constantly seeing changes in the plant, uh, changes in uh, electronics. They use this technology because he's always trying to find a way to get better and better and better. So that's a that's a pretty good North Star. Uh, it doesn't have yeah. the, the payoff beyond it. It's just we're going to be the best, the most efficient at what we do. That's what we that's who we are. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think. Like you said, it's, it's not, it has to include others, right? It can't just be about you. And that when you say your vision, well, money, you can't be a leader if, if, if you don't have a follower. <laughs> exactly. 
consider others in your vision. Right. Okay. Um, I want to move to the quote of the day because I think that this is really good with vision. Um, so you've chosen the quote of the day. I know that well, I had one last Winston time. Winston Churchill, he just said, uh, a pessimist sees the problem in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. And um, that just says it perfectly. <laughs> you know, there, I don't remember who it was. It might have been Henry Ford. I think I've seen it attributed to him. He said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right either way. So yeah. it, it's a little bit of everything comes down to what we know and what we think. Well, not necessarily what you know, yes, but what you think. If you think, hey, I can do that, it's yeah. quite likely that you'll be able to do it. If you think, hey, I can't, you're not going to be able to do it. Yep. That's great. That's great. So we're on a guidance topic. I figured when we do our Mount Rushmore, and actually I wanted to try this out. So queuing the Mount Rushmore, I figured we could do uh, <laughs> that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to make sense or not. Hopefully people <laughs> that. Like sounds that. like baseball to me. And I know, but we're going with Mount Rushmore. Okay. Um, we thought about business software for people helping them to guide their business a little bit better, um, to make better decisions, all those things. So, um, did you start last time? Did I start this last time? I don't recall. Okay. I'm going to go first. I'll go first. That way you get the duplicates, right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, uh, Mount Rushmore of software, top four softwares that I would, that I use to guide my business. Um, HubSpot is definitely up there. CRM, customer relationship manager, definitely be talking about more about that more in the customer's uh, area, but um, really valuable there, but also the sales software and the marketing software, huge pieces of what we do um, and couldn't, couldn't use it, couldn't run our business without it. Um, Google Drive, man. Having everything in the cloud is amazing. That um, and it's not really just Google Drive; it's G Suite. So just having all of our email, our calendar, our all of our documents and Google Sheets and everything in one place is amazing. Calendars, yeah, it's great. Number f- uh, three, Stripe. We use that for almost all of our billing, all of our recurring billing, at least, and uh, super helpful, super. Um, super connected to all the different softwares that are out there. It has great integrations, uh, works with our website, with HubSpot, with Google. Um, any invoice we send, people can pay directly through there. It's great. Uh, lastly, or yeah, the fourth spot, Asana. We use it for project management, um, have all of our team involved there. We can assign each other tasks. We can see whether people are working on, comment on it. Uh, assign due dates, all those different things. So those are my top four softwares. Uh, I'll ask about your George Washington, then I'll get mine. So yeah. go ahead. What did do you, you got, Martin? Did you take HubSpot? No, you took HubSpot. But you brought it up. Oh, uh, yeah. So, okay, well, I might have three presidents. But um, softwares, there, nothing uh, uh, really out there in this. But the first one is QuickBooks. And we now have QuickBooks Online. QuickBooks Online got a really bad rap um, when it first came out. Is not doing uh, complicated, uh, didn't do everything. I think the biggest issue was they moved everything around. But if you're not keeping books, uh, we're going to talk about that in the future. If you don't keep books that you can use uh, in the ways that we'll show you, you must. And QuickBooks Online is really pretty good. There are others, Wave and Zero. So on, but the good thing about QuickBooks is there are about 35 million people in the United States who know how to use it. So if you're trying to hire somebody to keep your books or sending your books point. to accountants, uh, more important is that you keep books proper, proper books, which we'll define later. But uh, and QuickBooks is a really good one. Uh, it's you know Thomas Jefferson said, "Take things always by the smooth handle." There may be a reason to use something exotic, but probably not. And if you've got some uh, project management software that, quote, also keeps books, then it's quite likely that you don't have books. Uh, (laughs) Second one is Google Calendar. That's part of the G Suite. uh, And it's been around a long time, but syncs with everybody. And um, 
but there are still lots of people who don't keep a synced calendar in the cloud, and I can't understand it. I don't know, was it dollar ninety eight a month or five bucks a month or something? Five, I think it's six now. Yeah, six dollars. But who got you onto onto all this stuff? Onto, uh, onto the I have no idea. I can't even remember. Oh, okay, <laughs> some guy from I'll Morocco. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he forced the issue. Actually, I was on Gmail, but I wasn't on G Suite before you. Um, then I also had HubSpot in there, um, but actually, uh, he, he robbed two of mine because I was going to use drive too, but, uh, the other one out there. So my fourth would be, well, QuickBooks, HubSpot, drive. And then my fourth one would be, uh, I'm just going to call it jobber. There are a bunch of them. Um, these are softwares that, uh, project managers use to dis- or service managers use to schedule and test their uh, technicians out in the field that technicians use it to find out where they need to go. It's got GPS in it. Uh, you can have them clock in when they get there, clock out when they got, when they leave and they can't do either. If they're not within the GPS fence can take picture of before and after projects. You can set it up so that they can't leave the job unless they uh, have that, unless they've taken the pictures. Uh, you can, they can uh, send you what you need to invoice the customer right there, collect payments. Anyway, all of these things uh, that are, that make schedules work and schedules are so important. Uh, there are softwares for that. Jobber is one that just happens to be on the top of my mind. One of my clients yeah. uses it. That's good. That's good. Well, what's your George Washington? What's your number one software out of those four? Oh, uh, well, I'm going to say QuickBooks. I mean, of course, you are. If, if people are looking for something exotic, I'm not. I'm not the guy. But for yeah. something that works, it's going to be QuickBooks, and we're going to learn yeah. a lot more about QuickBooks in future episodes. Absolutely. Not not about the books, but how to use the information that books make available. Yeah. Plug. Go ahead. Plug your book. What's your book? Uh, well, I've got a book yet. coming out it's in coming September. Out. That's titled The Profit Problem. They say we make money, so why don't we have any? And uh, its whole purpose is to show people how to use bookkeeping information to make better decisions and more money and uh, without becoming an accountant or a bookkeeper. Just just to know what's possible and then to learn how to do it so that you can make good decisions. So thank you. I'm excited for that. So um, my my George Washington is HubSpot. Um just the CRM is so vastly important. Knowing who you've been in contact with every every time that you've contacted them, every time they've contacted you, knowing what emails they've opened, what pages they visit on your website, um, knowing how much they've bought from you, why they bought from you, just the reporting, everything. I, I think it's vastly important. If if uh, it's like the quick, just to kind of piggyback off of your George Washington. It's like the QuickBooks of customers. Right. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about that a lot because I have zero doubt that people listening to this, there's a point where they just turn that off. And what they heard was I got to do a whole lot of work and learn a whole bunch of (laughs) software and I don't really know how it's going to help me. So we're going to have to fill that gap, right? We will. Because I guarantee if people are thinking that. That may be our lofty vision for the cash flow contractors to fill that gap. Well, that, that's one of that's part of <laughs> making better decisions with good information. Yeah. Okay. So then, if that's too much, what's one thing you know that you want people to take away from this episode? Well, the one thing that I want people to do, we, we talked a lot about vision. We talked in general terms and so on, but it doesn't have any effect until it actually happens. And happens means written down. Okay written down. I don't know what it is about writing, but I suspect that you need to order your thoughts well enough to put a sentence together on paper. If you're just thinking about what you want, you can be distracted by a car going by and then get back to it and you can mentally think, mm and ah, but writing it down. So that is the one thing to take away from this episode is to write down the things that you want. Don't worry about it. If it qualifies, I just give you a couple of things that, that I had in, in, from one, one client envisioned a company run by a competent leader other than me who tends to day-to-day operations while I devote my time to creating new opportunities. That's a pretty good 
interim vision, right? Yeah. I envision a system dependent company rather than a people dependent company where if I lose somebody, I lose a big skill set and have a big gaping hole in my business. I envision a, a team made up of responsible employees who are engaged, trustworthy, and want to be here. Right? Yeah. That's a that's a guiding vision right there because if you bring the wrong person on and you tolerate them because you believe, oh, well, that can't get good help these days, well, that's what you're going to have. If you look for, seek out, reward, and rely on really good people who are engaged and want to be there, that's the kind of business you'll build. That needs to be part of your vision. I, uh, I envision a company that operates on a plan. In other words, we have pro forma statements, which is just a way of saying forward-looking budgets. Uh, I envision a company that doesn't always suffer from cash crises. If you start paying attention to cash, uh, all of a sudden you can have cash. When you don't pay attention mm. to cash, it's gone, right? I envision reporting systems that tell me the condition of the company when I'm gone. Uh, if you're on vacation somewhere, you have some KPIs, key performance indicators, maybe three or four of them that can kind of tell you what's going on with the company without getting into all the details. Uh, I envision a company where every customer is a raving fan, which we define as somebody who not only will refer you if somebody asks, they will bring your name up in order to refer you because they're so pleased. And maybe it's something along like I envision a multi-state company or a multi-region or a regional company or, uh, or a shop across town. But the point of those examples are those are the kind of things that you can write out and say, wow, that would be good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would like that. And then when you've written it out, you can actually make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, actually I'm going to steal one of your quotes and I'm probably going to say it wrong. So I may even let you say it, Martin. What is the Mark Twain quote about like writing concise? Like he wrote a letter to somebody. Well, you mean the lightning bug? He apologized for the letter being so long. Oh, and he I'm said sorry. he would have written a shorter. Oh, he I would have, oh, he was given a sermon. I think it was a sermon. He said, I would have written a shorter one, but I didn't have time. <laughs> Which is so true. Yeah. Like if yeah. we say, hey, write out your vision, it's going to take you a long time to sit there and think of that vision. So what I would recommend doing, go and write out like different areas of your business or different areas of even your life to start. And just start thinking of different things that you want in those areas. If it's personal, maybe it's like a great marriage or more family time or to take a vacation or to make memories or to be healthy, right? Uh, whatever it is. And just kind of get your mind inside of that, that, that thinking and then slowly move into your company. You know, what are the things that you really want in there? And then and eventually no, it's going to become so much easier. Yeah. And I call it W-I-B-C-I. Wouldn't it be cool if, right? If I didn't have to go to work today. Okay. How could, what's it take for that to happen? Right. Mm, so yeah. it, and it, and don't limit yourself because people do yeah. that. I, I don't want you to be, my, my example is I'm never going to dunk a basketball in the NBA. I'm just not going to. So if that becomes right. my goal and my vision, what I've really done is abdicate because it's never going to happen. But I also don't want people to be quote reasonable. Well, let's be reasonable. I could never make a million dollars salary. Well, yeah, you could. People do. It's not impossible. Right. That's what you want. So don't be reasonable and limit yourself. Um, just just one on a, on a company that runs with a competent leader other than me um, had a client who that was his whole goal in life about five years ago. And uh, he pulled it off in a year or two, by the way. But when we first met, he said, you... I don't even think about that. That's not even possible. I said, well, I can name people, and, and I did, who've done it. And he said, well, how do they do that? And I said, well, it's pretty easy. As you drive around doing what you do as the leader of your company, say, who could do this if I were in Hawaii, which is where this guy went for 30 days, by the way. Um, who would do it? Who could do that? Well, wound up, we got most of the people from within his company and advanced them and gave them different responsibilities. And now he works because he said 30 days in Hawaii was about 15 days too many because he likes to work. But <laughs> just write those things down. Just And don't limit yourself. Don't try to write complete sentences. Don't write paragraphs. You're not writing for the newspaper. Just write down some right. stuff you want. 
Absolutely. Okay. So you started talking about one of your clients, contractors in New York City. Maybe refresh our mind on well, I was saying that and then he what you were getting into. He sells to uh, homeowners, and particularly in the Hamptons, high dollar stuff. I just won't say what, but uh, but it has to be designed and built. Um, and so when he hit this, uh, he just engaged me as his coach right before COVID. But when he hit this, he thought, I'm not just going to sit here and die. I'm going to use this time to get better. And one of the things that he did was uh, he learned a new software. And uh, he learned Zoom because we do everything by Zoom. Turned out to be not very difficult, but he had some work to do. But what he can do now is he alone among his competitors can design and build and commit to a complete project without ever setting foot on the property. Uh, and I, he, I'm the first customer that he ran that through, and it was awesome. It shows him product, that he, what he does, gives him design ideas, and then through this software, which isn't that unique, but it's good software, Mosaic, um, he would design it, stand it up, build it. He jumped off, he said, uh, jumped off Zoom for 30 seconds while he priced it, came back and said, well, if you buy that as built, uh, it's this price. And if you give me 25% down, I will be there X number of days after the COVID, you know, 10 days, 20 days, depending on where they were in the so he helped his cash flow. He kept his customers alive. Uh, he does have to actually, actually he's got a really ingenious thing that I can't talk about where um, he does like to lay actual eyeballs before he builds all the parts, but he's built some, uh, what I call expansion joints in there. So that when he builds these things, if he's off a little bit, uh, he can uh, adjust them and, and make what he built work. So it really was, cliche but making lemonade out of lemons because he not only continues to thrive and build his reputation he looks even smarter because he's adapted and his competitors are all moping and i I don't know all his competitors but they're not doing anything like this they're waiting until everything opens up and then they're going to try to get started he's in full full speed ahead that's great that's a great representation of guiding your business Yes. Um, it's great. So I think it's uh, it's finally time, Martin, for everyone's favorite segment. We're going to try this out. Um, <laughs> that's our that's our new segment cue for Ethan's Minute. Welcome, Ethan. I like it. I like it. Hello. Okay. Give us a recap. Give us a recap okay. of everything you got from the episode. What's significant? I'm putting a timer on the clock. I'll keep you okay. notified when we hit 30 seconds. Go. Cool, cool. So we started with guiding the business. Martin described it as the North Star. And Khalil, you described it as being a selfless leader, but trying to look to the future, but not. it's not about you. It's about yep. your company. Uh, it's important to have a vision because uh, there has to be a reason for what you're doing. And everyone that works with you has to be on the same page too. Um, we then went on to talk about how People want autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and leadership gets neglected because it's, and it becomes default leadership. 27 seconds. We talked about having your vision about money, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't let it control you. Uh, Khalil talked about people having trouble finding vision, so then you surround yourself with people with similar situations or have been in a similar spot, and then they can help you find your vision. Sure. Uh, Martin talked about lofty visions can give your company a philosophy to guide your company, uh, but it's not easy. You have to sit down and think about what you really want. And it's not good to just be about money. Don't just be about money. Okay, Real time. To- <laughs> Halfway. What did, he, what did he miss, Martin? No. Well, he, he, I don't know that he missed, but he left out. Uh, the thing, the only thing is uh, I don't want anybody <laughs> to think I don't have anything against money. Because money's oh, yeah. great. It's just usually uh, not uh, the purpose that people, other people identify with. Sure. Can't Ethan, I'm going to give you two points that you didn't get to cover because that was, that was pretty quick. So my points that I would say if I had two points to give, it would be write down your vision. Okay. Uh, you got to write down the things you want. Uh, okay. 
and don't just think about your company. Think about your life and other parts of your life and and then think about those things that you want and then apply it to your business. Uh, and then the 30-day vacation thing, so something like that. So you want a 30-day vacation, that's your vision for that, but how are you going to move your business to be to get that 30-day vacation one day? So, good, good, good. Not too bad. We'll get we'll get better at this. I I'm I'm holding you accountable. I'm giving you a minute. I like it. A little bit of flexibility there at the end, but we'll like it. We'll get better. Um, okay. Well, guiding the business in the books. Going to be talking about that a lot more in depth on specific topics. But uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Okay. We'll see you next time. See you. We need a we need an outro. We need something catchy. We'll we'll find we'll figure it out next time. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, We'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with. Uh, And we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not going to share any of your information. Um, You don't even need to say your name on the episode. But I think we want to get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on on, uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.